0: Alright, you're listening to Preach the Word with Dean Carmichael. We're here in Genesis chapter number 3. We're going to read verse number 15 as our key verse today. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, the context today, our our main text is Genesis chapter 3, 7 through 24. And, of course, last week we were... Dealing with the fall of man. And now we're going to close out that chapter. If you want to read that on your own, feel free. Genesis chapter 3, 7 through 24. But our key verse today is Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. And the title of the message is The Great Conflict. The Great Conflict. Let's break this verse down later. But before we do, let's look at it a little closer. And I will put in between, enmity between thee, that's Satan, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It, which is Christ, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Bruise thy head, that Christ shall bruise the head of Satan, Satan shall bruise the head of Christ. We're talking about the great conflict, and of course we'll really break down this this verse later on. Uh, to a point, Um this verse promises a Redeemer would come and that he would come from the human race. He said there about her seed, the seed from the woman, the seed from Eve. Bible tells us that that would, the seed of uh, Abraham, Abraham's seed through David would be where we would get our Redeemer. Galatians 3 verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed... ...were the promises made, he saith not into seeds, as of many, but as of one, into thy seed, which is Christ. Romans 1 verse 3, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Then in 1 Timothy three sixteen, the verse says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness... God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. When Paul said without controversy there, there's no debate to that. That is a a, a key part of the foundation of the Christian faith that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, He's always been, but He was manifested in the flesh. He was born of, of a woman. He the redeemer he would he would come the bible tells us he would come here in genesis 3:15 but the bible tells us that he would come from the human race and that is what paul said the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh you want the true genealogy genealogy of jesus christ john chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god in the very beginning friends he was already past tense. He's alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first the last, he's always been. He his deity does not have a beginning. He's never created. He's God almighty. And we're promised here in Genesis chapter 3 verse number 15 that a redeemer would come. Not only does this verse promise a redeemer and this is the first prophecy of the Bible. This verse also promises that there would be a constant struggle between Satan and Christ. Now, Dr. J. Vernon McGee said, The most prominent thought is not the ultimate victory that would come, but the long-continued struggle. This verse reveals the fact that now there is to be a long struggle between good and evil. This is exactly what you will find in the rest of the scriptures. Dr. J. Vernon McGee. You want a classic story of good and evil? Look no further. Just read the Bible. Jesus made the distinction between the children of God and the children of Satan, the devil. John chapter 8, verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. And the father of it the Apostle John in 1st John chapter 3 verse 10 says in this the children of God are manifest and the children of, of the devil whosoever doeth not the righteousness is not of God neither he that loveth not his brother the Bible makes a clear distinction between Christ and Satan between the followers of Christ and the followers of Satan, between the works of Christ and the works of Satan. The Bible is very clear. It's very distinct in that. This conflict of the serpent of Christ, and Christ, uh, of Satan and Christ, rather, is is also typified in the story of Cain and Abel. If you read over the next chapter in Genesis chapter number 4, we we see where Adam and Eve, they, they know each other and they have sons, and the first man ever born of a woman, he was a real angel, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. He, he was a murderer. He killed his own flesh and blood. And Cain, in that story, uh, it is a literal actual story, but he is also a type of the seed of the serpent. And Abel is a type of Christ, the seed of the woman. And we all know that this happened in, in the Garden of Eden, and, and we'll we'll get into that a little later, of course. Uh, but we're talking about this first prophecy here, and this is right after the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter number three. And a question to ask here before we move on: What are some results from the fall? We we talked about the fall in our last our last sermon, our last message. We talked about how Satan came and in the form of a serpent deceived Eve and Adam who willfully ate of that fruit, they disobeyed God. And when you read the beginning of our, our context and we'll we'll get into some of the verses here in just a minute, how Adam and Eve begin to they realize they've done wrong, they know between good and evil, they're 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 naked, they're ashamed, they try to cover themselves. So what are some results? ...from the fall of mankind. Well, one is evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. Boy, you flip over a couple chapters... ...and you'll find that the, the thoughts of man are continually wicked. Fear is another one. Fear. Adam and Eve, they were afraid... ...because they were naked. They, they didn't know. It, ha, have you ever uh, been in fear of something? Of course you have. That's the a result... From Adam's fall. We're fearful. We're afraid. We come up in a dark alley. Or or something unknown. Or we come across a a, a strange animal. Or or we come across a situation we've never. We have fear. That's a result of the fall of mankind. Excuses. Excuses. Just like Adam is the woman that you gave me, Lord. And I'm paraphrasing there. But he gave an excuse. Pointing the finger. I tell you what. This world is not short on. We are not short on accountability. I I will give you that. I, I will give us that. We know how to hold each other accountable, don't we? But there's only one problem with that. We know how to hold each other accountable. We have problems holding ourselves accountable. Boy, we'll point fingers all day long. We'll wait for the boss man to come walking by us at work and tell him everything that's going wrong and tell him, hey, you need to fix this and that and this and that. But we ourselves won't take ownership of that and get it done. That accountability piece. We'll point the finger at folks at church all day long. But in order to hold others accountable, you got to stand in front of that mirror and point that finger right back at yourself, right? That, those excuses. We can, you know, we can justify. Mankind, they'll justify just about anything. In fact, they will. They'll justify anything. They'll justify murder of innocent babies They'll they'll justify um, their their own sin. Anything they can say, any finger they can point, they'll do it. That comes from the fall. Pain during childbirth. Pain during childbirth comes from the fall. The cursed ground. The labor and sorrow. Now, let's be very clear here with this. God commanded Adam to keep the garden... Before the fall. Let's be very clear on that. God had given Adam a task to do before the fall of mankind. So let's be very clear. Adam was not just to, to sit around and be lazy all day. And let, no, God had, God had work for him to do. He had a job, a task for him to do. But as far as laboring and sorrowing, that is a result from the fall. Adam keeping the garden was to be a joyful, wonderful thing. He was to be in communion with God and in fellowship. And wh- while he was doing this, but now this laboring and this sorrow—that that is the part uh, that is a result from the fall, the, the sorrow part of that. And then uh, banishment from God is another is another one. Mankind, we are helplessly and hopelessly lost. Because of the fall of mankind. We are separated from, from God. We are totally depraved. And not only that, the fall brought death. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 4. We're going to go back a chapter just real quick. And, and, and stay with me here. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth. When they were created... In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now notice something in this verse. In chapter 1, we saw the name God 32 times in 31 verses. The Hebrew name Elohim, which we talked about being plural, is referring to the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A plural noun that is almost always used with a singular verb or adjective. Three distinct persons, but one God. In verse 1, we see the first mention of Lord. Uh, excuse me, verse number 4. Here in Genesis chapter number 2. He says here, And these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, and the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. That is re- referring to, to Jehovah God. Jehovah is a name for God. Used in the Old Testament. It refers to God as the one who keeps the covenant and mercy with his people. That's Dr. David Cloud. Dr. John Phillips says, Here in the closing review of creation, the name Elohim is connected with the name Jehovah. Jehovah is the same God only viewed as being in covenant relation With those he has created. The first appearance of the name Jehovah. Follows the creation of man. For pre-eminently. It is God's redemptive name. As Elohim. He tossed the world into space. As Jehovah. He plans man's redemption. Before he ever fashioned Adam's clay. That's Dr. John Phillips. So here we are in chapter 2. What is God doing in chapter 2? Well he's resting the first part of chapter 2 he's resting because his work was perfect but now in our story he's not resting he, he's not resting is he once sin enters the picture in genesis chapter number 3 there is nothing else in the bible rego- regarding god resting the bible tells us that the triune god becomes involved in man's redemption after the fall adam and eve they tried to clothe themselves with those ...with those fig leaves... ...and as we just read... ...that God had planned the redemption... ...before he ever fashioned Adam's clay... ...and here you got Adam and Eve... ...trying to clothe themselves... ...because they realized that they were naked... ...the Bible says... ...and the eyes of them both were opened... ...and they knew that they were naked... ...that thou wast naked... ...hast thou eaten of the tree... ...where I commanded thee... ...that thou shouldest not eat... ...before the fall... ...man did not have a conscience... ...now they do... ...and here we are... ...and and Adam and Eve... ...they realize they're naked... ...not only were they naked... ...they were separate from God... ...and that's what sin... ...sin's done... ...that's what sin's done to us... It, ...it separates us... ...from God... ...so what does Adam... ...try to do... He tries clothing himself, but it doesn't get him back in fellowship with God. Adam tries to do something himself. He tries to find a way to get himself to God, and he realizes that he can't. Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verse number 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness... ...are as filthy rags... ...and we all do fade as a leaf... ...and our iniquities, like the wind... ...have taken us away. As I mentioned earlier... ...we will try to justify anything. And sadly... ...there are a lot of people out there today... ...who believe because of their good works... ...because of the things that they've done... ...that in their heart they say... ...well, if there is truly a God... All the good that I've done surely hasn't, go un- hasn't gone unnoticed. There are religious-minded folks who read and, and try to study, and, and they try to do all these different acts of religion to get themselves to God. But like Adam, we need to realize we cannot we, we, we cannot do anything on our own merit that would restore that fellowship with the Lord. God promises, in verse number 15, that there would be a Redeemer. So in verse number 20, Adam comes to God by faith. Look at this here, verse number 20, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 20, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Notice, the mother of all living. Verse number 15, God promised he would send a redeemer to the seed of the woman, so Adam named her Eve because by faith he trusted that God would send a redeemer. He could have called her many names at this point, but instead he decided to put faith in his father. And in verse number 24, Bible says, so he drove out the man and placed to the east of the garden east cherubims and a flaming sword to keep the tree of life. And if you, you look here, in verse number 21, sorry about that, I read the wrong verse. Verse number 21, unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. This is the best part of the story by far. Adam comes to God by faith, so blood is shed to cover his nakedness. Dr. John Phillips says, There, in Eden, in paradise itself, blood was shed for the very first time. Adam and Eve must have stood there aghast as they saw the creature taken in their stead and slaughtered before their eyes. It's bloodshed. It's covering made theirs. It was the first dramatic illustration of the ultimate cost of Calvary. Of the horror and dreadfulness of sin. Sin is a radical disease and it calls for a radical cure. Dr. John Phillips. When Adam realized he is lost and without hope. That those fig leaves weren't going to cut it. He goes to God by faith. And after. And he's clothed after the blood of an innocent was shed. God plans man redemption before ever forming Adam. He promised us a Redeemer. That Redeemer came. His name is Jesus Christ. And he became sin for us. The day I realized that I was lost and I needed to be saved, I came to God by faith and the blood of Jesus Christ covered me declaring me righteous in this chapter if there is two things that we can uh, two themes that summarize this whole chapter it's man's failure and God's grace. man is a f- failure. sin is sin. certain sins don't make us worse than other people they don't make us better than other people. the fall of man separated us from God. God knew that Adam would fall, but he sent us a Redeemer. May we never forget the grace of God. C.H. Spurgeon said, Men go astray from God by nature, but they only return to God through grace. Romans chapter 3, verse number 20 through 24, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are promised that a redeemer would come, and praise God, He did come. Genesis three fifteen: I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed; it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let's go ahead and let's uh, break this verse down here. Talk, talking about the great conflict, we have three main points. Number one, we have the struggle. The struggle. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. That word enmity is the quality of being an enemy. It's ill will. First off, let's be very clear here. It is evident that the serpent is is Satan. Um, The the prophecy is not between snakes and women. It's Satan and mankind. Satan is not your friend. This world is not your friend. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Satan's not our friend. Satan is our enemy. That person at work that drives you insane. And that, that overzealous, immature believer who's always causing you to stumble and putting you in bad situations. and is, Those aren't your enemies. You know who your enemy is? Satan's your enemy. The government's not your enemy. Satan's your enemy. It's very important that we understand that. There's a struggle. There is a struggle between good and evil. And it is a, it is a, a, a long struggle that will finally be over uh, there when uh, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire at the battle of Gog and Magog there after the millennial reign of Christ. very important we understand that. Um, but before Gog and Magog can happen, there has to be a, a rapture of the church, tribulation, uh, also the millennial reign, and then Gog of Magog. During that millennial reign, Satan's going to be bound. He 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 will be bound, and, and the church will rule with Christ. Satan will be bound, but after that millennial reign, he'll be loosed, and he'll go, and he'll deceive the nations, and, and that's the, the battle of Gog and Magog, and, and after that is when... Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. From the garden till now, in the church age, friends, it has been a constant struggle, a constant battle. We see that part there, it says, in between thy seed and her seed. So you have the seed of Satan versus the seed of the woman. Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses of sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the lust, the, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others satan is the prince the power of the heir. he's the father of all sin of all lies of all deceit he's here to destroy to devour jesus christ came to see- seek and to save that which is lost there is a constant struggle we see number one the struggle number two we see the savior it shall bruise thy head who is this christ is bruising satan's head Let's go back, let's read the verse up to this point, and I will put enmity between thee, that's Satan and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. it, which is Christ, shall bruise thy head. This is uh, the, the best, th- this is um, best described in a commentary by Dr. Adam Clark, and I'm quoting here, "The address is not given to Adam." And Eve, but to Eve alone. And it was, it, it was in consequence of this purpose of God that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. This, and this alone, is what is implied in the promise of the seed of the woman bruising the head of the serpent. Jesus Christ died to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and to destroy him who had the power of death. That is, the devil. Thus, he bruises his head, destroys his power and lordship over mankind, turning them from the power of Satan unto God. That's Adam Clark. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is verses 55 through 58. We see the Savior. Uh, Jesus would, he would come and he would bruise the head of, of Satan, destroying his power, destroying his lordship, over mankind, that's that's a little L, a lordship. But he is the the prince and power of the air. He is the god of this world, and that's what that verse is referring to. He will, Christ will bruise the head of Satan. Satan, his control. First of all, his control is not a deity. He is not deity. Satan is a created being. Satan cannot do anything unless God allows him to do it. Let's be very clear on that. In his his rule over this 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 earth, this rebellion, um, is is only temporary, and we see here the Savior uh, is it shall bruise thy head. Then we see the serpent, and thou shall bruise his heel. Satan bruised the heel of Christ. God required that the salvation of mankind only be through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 through 8 But he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. And one more on that Hebrews ten verse ten, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now this verse also can refer to uh, the followers, the spiritual seed of the Lord Jesus Christ, our heel it is bruised by Satan because we're followers of Christ. Second Timothy chapter three verse twelve says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We see here the great conflict. Until next time, may the Lord bless you.